One, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on episode 35, a number only special because it's half of 70. Blue. Yay. Why do you keep this? I, every, the, he started this last time and he's still doing it. The moment I'm about to say go, he shouts something weird in my ear. <laughs> oh my the god. The thing is, with that last one, you kept so fucking cool and I cracked myself up on that image. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Uh, but yeah, we are, uh, we are back, episode 35. This is... Uh, significantly later in the morning than we normally record this yeah on this beautiful gloomy day in march it is still march yeah it is still march yeah it's always easter hell yeah <laughs> this this podcast will actually go out in april i think mm. maybe what day is oh, it shit. i guess the end of this month you're gonna be doing um an easter themed quiz oh that. that'll be cool yeah mm. we, we haven't had a theme in a while do we get a <clears> chocolate <throat> prize if i win <laughs> yeah, I'll ship it to the UK. Uh, it may be melted by then. You send, like, this beautifully crafted chocolate bunny, it gets to my side, and it's like this horrific mess of, like, <laughs> deformed chocolate. Oh my god. It just looks like somebody sat on it. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> oh right. god, yeah, this is, this, is, this is already a horrible, horrible mess. Do you, um, you want to start off today? Uh, with topics? I mean, yeah, what shall I? Why don't, why don't you start us off? Because you said you actually what? had something, and what I had, um, you know, was only so-so. I have. So, guys, uh, so, you know this already, but mm. um, for everyone else out there, we have often used the term No Man's Sky to describe a game that has so overflowed with hype that... It blows all expectation out of the water, and it automatically becomes a disappointment of a game before it's even been released. Yeah. Um, so, I decided... I was watching YouTube, like, last week or something, and I saw uh, someone talking a bit about where No Man's Sky has gone from uh, since the big scandal. Yeah, I mean, we talked they were like, a bit about this. Like, Yeah, it's, it's, yeah just... Throwing them back to the last week's podcast. We talked about it a little bit, if you want to hear more. Video game uh, hype. Yes, yeah, so... Uh, I, I was like, oh, maybe... Maybe I'm in the wrong. And th the developers of the game called... I think they're called Hello World? Pardon me. Sounds about um, right. They have kept working on the project, even though they're not getting any more funding. As far as I'm aware. Yeah. Labor of um, love. They have released so, so, so many patches. And so I was like, hell yeah. I'm going to go back and give it another go. And if it works out really well, I'll even drag Kaiser back into it. <laughs> um, so I boosted up the game. Instantly, it's a lot more aesthetically pleasing, I would say. There's the, the game modes. There's different game modes out. There's the first screen you come across, you're able to choose whether you want to play uh, multiplayer in just the general whole universe, or whether you want to make it a single, like, single player campaign, as it were. But you can also invite your friends to that, which I think is brilliant. So, absolutely marks up for that, they actually have multiplayer capacity now. Um, I go into the game, and for a start, when you load into the game, 
whether it's creating a new account or loading a previous save, it takes about five minutes to get past the loading screen. Um, which I think is probably one of the longest loading screens I've ever seen. And I played Skyrim on the PS3. Um, so yeah, it's like a vast long time, I and mean, it's a bit <coughs> laggy when you finally get in. But, but when I get in, I am honestly mildly disappointed because <laughs> I was really hoping there would be all this like archaeology and deep sea diving and stuff. And I'm sure I just haven't got to that point yet. But I've been playing it for quite a few hours now. And I really have not seen hide nor hair of any new content. I honestly thought that you were going to... That's not the result I expected. No, I, it was not the result I expected. I thought, because there's all this new stuff, what I think they've done is that at the late game, where all the people who stuck by the game the whole time have access to, is where all this amazing new technology and stuff is. But for me... It was a. It was just a massive slog. It was a grind. Yeah. Um, you need to keep an eye on your. If you, for a start, if you're on a cold planet or a radioactive planet or some planet that has bad atmosphere, you have to recharge your shields about every five minutes, which you need a particular kind of material for. Mm. On top of that, you need to harvest oxygen to breathe on all planets. You need to harvest carbon to keep your mining laser filled, because if you don't have a mining laser, you can't get any materials. Um, so that's immediately three, like, equivalents of food that you need to have constantly about you. Um, and then your ship needs um, fuel to jump off the ground. It needs fuel for hyperspeed in space. Um, and then even... So, I, I unlocked a chest about three hours into the game, I think, approximately. And whilst I love the fact that they did, it wasn't just like a normal wooden little fucking box, right? Which you get in almost every game. No, they made this like vault-sized cube of metal, which I was like, oh, hell yeah, that's really cool, it's innovative, brilliant. It needs power to be able to open it. Which... Considering you don't get solar panels until you have literal gold, means that I have to fill a generator, I have to build a generator, I have to fill that generator with carbon, and there's no way of pausing the generator as far as I'm aware. So every time you want to open a storage box, you have to find carbon to fuel the generator to open the box. Um, there was just a lot, everything, doing any small thing feels like a big grind as well as just keeping yourself alive is included within that um, so I'm sure late game where you have like automatically health refilling stations and technology that auto mines shit for you or something, I don't know I'm sure it's really cool at that point but at the moment A, my character can't speak to any species because he hasn't learnt the fucking alphabets of each of the different species yet 
that's not even a joke. You have to like. No, I remember stones, that. That, yeah, that was still in the. That was in the original version of the game, the one that was out back. You know, whenever I the hell I played it in 2016. Yeah, and clearly there's like a list of words, and it just starts at the top and moves down. Because at the moment, I'm currently learning two-letter <laughs> words. Uh, so I'm learning like it is a word, two, you, he, all that kind of shit. <laughs> And it feels like it's taken forever. The slog is so long. Oh my god. Um, again, I think it would be a brilliant game if you have A, a large community, like, of all people working together. If you send one person off to just gather carbon, no one has to think about the carbon. Same thing with oxygen and sulfur. Uh, but solo playing through that game, at least in the early stages, is boring as fuck. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to make you play it. <laughs> I'm I'm actually kind of disappointed by that result. I was as yeah. much as I have harped on about how bad that game was when it came out and th this is actually a good lead into the topic that I had, but the um like as bad as that game was when it first came, I, bad maybe is the wrong word, but boring as fuck. Like there was no gameplay at all in it. So it sounds like they've added gameplay, but a lot of that gameplay is a slog. Um yeah. I see. I saw this stuff about people like building houses and building bases yeah. and doing all this shit. Maybe that's late game. No, I, I've built like uh, I, so. Every time I went to a new world, yeah. I was a, a list of things in my head that I felt like I had to do, which is build a house in case there's a storm because storms mm -hmm. will just instantly kill you. But I don't know when they appear and they seem totally random. So, <laughs> um, so I built. I built build a house. I then have to build a generator to attached to a, a teleporter. Teleporter is a super early, early thing that you get in the game, so you can teleport between planets. Yeah. Um, and so I was doing it on every planet I got on, and it would take about 40 minutes. So that would kind of just feel like another slog. Because I'd get so to a planet, refill my shit so I didn't automatically die, get the materials for a building, get the materials for a generator, get the materials for a teleporter, link the teleporter up, Move on to the next planet. So you're just automatically basically restarting the game every forty minutes. Yeah, you could make a freaking like a script to do this shit. Um, <laughs> I, I th 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 there was some variation on the different planets. It was really cool. Don't get me wrong. There was I went to like frost planets that were all just snowy and horrible. I went to tropical planets that were beautiful and I had like flying elephants. Very cool. I love mm. the flying elephants. But there wasn't enough variation between them that would make the slog any less painful. Um, that really. So, sorry, I. Go on. No, no, just that, that really does kind of. I was I was looking forward to going back to that game and finding reasons to hate it, but you've beat me to it. Yeah, the, the I I don't hate the development team. I think it's really cool that they kept working on it because I know a mm. lot of studios would just say it's a failure. Let's just move on to the next game. I appreciate that they kept working on it. I just think that the early game has not been optimized. They've been looking at the end game where arguably most of their player base is. Mm. And yeah, I think it's just a, a bit of a shame because I would like to play that game. I would like to support a development team that goes the extra mile. Um, yeah, I'm. Yeah. So I, the the topic that that made me think of that I wanted to kind of go into, and maybe it doesn't really. Hmm. So uh, when I 
I played this game in 2016 when it first came out. Um, mm. I was really disappointed. I think I played it for a total of four hours and was like, is this really it? And yeah. then dumped it, never looked back, tried to get a refund on Steam. They refused, and so I wrote a negative review and then called it a day. Um, now, you see, like, the, the game's got tons of positive reviews now. Like, the overall reviews are still mixed because they go all the way back to the original, but the, the mm. most recent ones are all very positive on Steam. So what I'm thinking is, is there a point where you can say... This may be a wider topic than just <laughs> video games, and I think I, I want to discuss it in the wider context, but we'll use this as a, a jumping-off point. People, and, well, in this case, game developers, finding redemption, essentially. Like, they've they've fucked up, they released an unfinished product that had basically no content. They 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 went through the backlash that that brings, uh, but then, like you said, they kept working on it, kept patching it, kept adding content. Now the game is arguably you know pretty good. Mm. I would say it's at the point right now where if they'd released this at the original release date, yeah, I think there wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah, it's it's four years on now. Uh, almost yeah. five, actually, now that I think about it. But that's the thing. Like, I I was going to say, and I was thinking about this while you were talking, before you had revealed that, yeah, the game's still not really that fun at the early stages. Um, I was thinking that I really don't think I'd ever go back and change that negative review to something positive. And then I was kind of, again, self-reflection there, trying to think, well, why is that? I think I came to the conclusion while, you know, listening to what you were saying there that, you know, that they've they've spent an extra five years, like, making the game playable. And you're right, people who play it now, they're going to, you know, find a maybe painful experience in the early part. But some people like that, like, grindy, repetitive kind of gameplay. I mean, there's a reason MMOs exist. But the people, I, I think that, those negative reviews from the initial launch should stay there. I don't think people should go back and change them to positive because there's something that just seems wrong about, you know, essentially erasing the fact that this game was a shit show when it was released. Um, I don't think anyone will forget that this was a shit show when it was released. It's, um. it's true, maybe, but... I mean, this this may actually kind of ties back into what I was talking about last week with the uh, the mass effect, the the um, the uh, ass gate. Yeah. Um, I don't like the idea of sort of forgetting the origins. Yeah, forgetting the origins, revising history. Maybe it's because I spend so much time, you know, reading and looking into history. I don't like that idea. But in terms of the developers themselves, I think that, yeah, this, this reflects very positively on them. Any developer that's going out of their way to, I don't know, to, um, like, despite the bad... It would have been much easier to go, like, oh, well, we fucked up. Sorry, guys. Game's a failure and move on. Yeah. Um, now, what that would have meant for their studio, who knows? But the fact that they stuck with it, kept patching it, and really put their heart into making this game closer to what they originally promised. I think that speaks volumes for them. Um, mm. 
It's one of the reasons why I still don't, despite all the flack that CD Projekt Red got, I still have a lot of respect for that studio because the Witcher series was absolutely brilliant. Other games they've put out have been brilliant around that. And Cyberpunk, <laughs> if I'm being honest, wasn't. The story was great. The voice acting was great. But it was buggy as fuck. Um, I literally watched the zero punctuation for Cyberpunk this morning. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> I like. I will say that a lot of the fun I had with that game was in the glitches, like in the moment-to-moment gameplay, seeing what the hell would happen next. Mm. But the fact that they they've also stuck with it, they've been patching it like religiously. They've been you know doing all these hot fixes and bug fixes and patching in like you know content, and they've still plan. They've still stated that they're going to keep their promise to put out like free DLC for the game. Um. And I, I look forward to going back and playing the game again and seeing how much it's changed. I will miss seeing characters in very emotional cutscenes with guns sticking out of their heads, but you know, <laughs> I've got I've got the video recording, so I can always look back if I'm uh, if I'm nostalgic. Their way over to you. But let's let's take that to kind of a, a broader context because I feel like we haven't we've been focusing a lot on on video games the last couple podcasts, which of course it's kind of. It's a mutual interest. (laughs) It's it's something that we both spend a lot of time on. But I want to take that kind of idea like a little bit broader. Like just people in general. um, Like somebody does something bad or does something in not even bad, just in bad taste, maybe Mm. poorly timed, makes some kind of a mistake. I, I get it it seems like it's becoming more and more culturally acceptable just to think that that person is bad forever, right? <laughs> like they're, they're, it kind of the the black mark follows them for the rest of their life. I'm not talking about like really horrendous things, like you know going out and you know shanking somebody in the street just because you felt like it. Um, I'm talking about like you know mundane day-to-day kind of bad things it could even just be like you know getting into a fight with a spouse or something like that yeah have you sorry just saying that kept coming into my mind when you were talking about this mm. have you seen the viva la dirt league um shame video no i haven't okay i'll link it to you after this <laughs> okay um but no i agree the uh Sorry, my mind took a tangent. Go on. <laughs> it's fine. I just, I don't, um, also that, that, that God, that, I just whacked, uh, my teacup on yeah, the teapot and it, yeah, it clanged through the mic. Um, I don't know, it's just, I didn't really have any particular direction to go with that. It's just been something that's been sitting on my mind lately as I watch in all forms of media, just these hate spirals and it's just like, come on. Yeah. Calm down. Like these are all other human beings here. It is mostly social media as well because people don't. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a dichotomy where, in real life, I feel like people don't speak up when they should do. Yeah, and online, I feel like people overextend how far they should speak. <laughs> yeah, well, I think more than anything, Twitter is just a cesspool these days. And it yeah. it spreads really, <laughs> really stupid and shitty ideas. So, um, I we, we talked about this, and I, I, again, we won't. We'll try to steer away from any of the the 
political uh, bits of this, or at least taking a side politically. <laughs> but you, you had a you had some riots near you recently. Yeah, I had three. I think now. Yeah. So if you remember, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, or if you go back in our backlog, I think it was it was early on. It was in the the first ten podcasts, I think, because it was something that was going on in the U.S. at the time. You know, there was wide scale protests, and some of them turned into riots and stuff. Yeah, there's been a lot of... I mean, I don't want to make anything political because I know there are people on both sides of this that will probably be listening. Mm. But, um... Yeah, there was uh, a lot of riots because the police in England were going to have the ability to shut down a demonstration? A protest? Um, yeah, it's a protest anything. Any it. kind of public gathering. If, um... Or at least they could ask a person to leave that protest if they were exceeding a certain noise limit mm -hmm. or if it got past a certain uh time so like if it's getting late into the night they can ask people to just go home yeah uh which to be honest i think there's i don't know why anyone would, would want to peacefully protest past like 10 p.m i guess i all right um, well i mean people did like sit-ins and hunger strikes in like the 60s and 70s so you know yeah. maybe if you're passionate enough you want to do something like that me personally, Just I'd want to go get dinner. Dragging it back to Twitter real quick. <laughs> well, th this I was going to tie this into Twitter. Oh, okay. that, that's why I was bringing that up. And because I saw pictures from that you know protest that devolved into a riot. Um, there was a there was like a defaced police car, and it had a political slogan on it that had nothing to do with the UK. It said like a I think it was it was abolish ICE. They're they're the border security people in the U.S. Why are you yeah. defacing a British police car with that? And I and then it occurred to me. I'm like, the, this is this, like, this is the Twitter thing where you're in this tiny bubble on Twitter, and it doesn't matter if you're in like somewhere in the U.S. or somewhere in the U.K. You get these slogans that all just mix together, and people forget what they actually mean. And they do something that nonsensical. Uh, anyway, sorry. What you were gonna say something about Twitter? You were. So what I've been just I've posted a couple of things to you. Um, for some reason, currently in the UK, trending is Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't understand what the fudge is going on, but it seems like some guy said he would like do a lap dance for Satan. And I don't know why Twitter's taken this up. But... Yeah, I'm reading this quote here that you just sent me. This is this is a yeah. some some Twitter random Twitter account posted this with a picture of a sad raccoon, and the quote is: "Watching the funny gay cowboy lap dance for Satan makes me think going to hell for being gay ain't so bad anymore." <laughs> look look at this! I just saw. And then somebody Satan somebody answers back. <laughs> somebody with the account Satan. Hey, if anyone see my boy Little Nass, someone tell him Satan said he thick, thick. Oh my... What the fuck? This is how stupid Twitter is. Oh my god. Yeah, like, this there's is... just so many dumb memes, and... Oh my god, he can, you can get away with using that word on Twitter? Uh, is it something I, the... we can say on the podcast? No, 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 no. <laughs> Can you send it to me? Uh, I'll just send you the... Oh, yeah, oh um, my god. Like, I, 
is there just no rules or like I agree there shouldn't be many rules for what people can and can't say but at the same time like come on <laughs> well I mean the that's one of the problems that people have with a lot of the main social media platforms Twitter Facebook um all of them I'm trying to think of another one not 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 YouTube so much and YouTube's less of a social media platform anyway, but they apply their rules very, very subjectively. So it, like, rather than having a rule like, okay, you know, no, <laughs> I'm just going to use a very mundane example. No one can use the word butt cheeks. There we go. That's their rule. Uh, the way, a fair way to enforce that would be anyone says that word, they get a warning. Then maybe they get a strike, then maybe they get a ban or a suspension or whatever. What actually happens is that if you um, use that word and you um, are not a butt cheek enthusiast, let's say, you get banned. And if you use that word and you are, you don't. It's just, if they had a more level and it's never going to be perfect because it's humans moderating this stuff they've tried letting ai moderate like twitter and facebook and stuff and it has hilarious results yeah people like break ais very easily for talking to them <laughs> do you remember this is going to be another tangent but i i just this is one of my favorite stories just from you know internet lore um the microsoft one yeah microsoft tay yeah and 4chan got to it it was like it was 4chan that started it but then there was just like everybody else just decided to jump on so yeah. this was a few years back um microsoft released an ai on twitter uh called uh like taybot and it was supposed to have it was supposed to talk and sound like you know uh i don't know like a 16 year old girl essentially and so it was it was basically and it was the idea was it would learn from its environment and it would talk and learn and eventually it would they, they were trying to make like a social media ai that could potentially like pass a turing test um for those who don't know the idea of a turing test is you have an ai talking to a human and a human talking to a human and the human doesn't know which is which and if the human can't tell them apart like reasonably um without like guessing which one is which then the AI is said to have passed the Turing test. Um, they were trying to do this with like a social media AI. The problem is people started trolling it, and within like it was only it only took like half a day or something like that, and they got this AI to just say the most vile, horrible things. Like, yeah. um, it doesn't know what it's saying. It's a fucking robot. No, exactly. It 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 judged things based on the interactions it got from people and how many likes it got and things like that. And th that was so. It in a, in a way, it was actually a really good uh, representation of the sort of things social media can do to your psyche because it, it, people will just judge what they're like how good what they're saying or doing is by how many people you know like and retweet and you know whatever um i mean that's that's what the ai did and it just it, <laughs> i wish i could say some of the things that it said on here um because yeah. but I, I i i won't but look it up it, it is a hilarious like not the things it said the things it said were really fucked up but the fact that these people like just got together 
it, it wasn't like a, a coordinated effort. It was just a group of random people on the internet that decided to fuck with Microsoft's AI. Mm. <laughs> and it, it worked. And it worked so quickly. <laughs> and what's all that's all? China made their own. Did they? Um, yep. And theirs actually worked because people were terrified of, I think, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they... of, of messing with it in their country. Um, and so it's, yeah, I think it's still around today. What? Um, where people can just, like, log on and talk to this um, AI when they're feeling down. Well, that, oh my god, did have you, did we watch um, Demolition Man for Movie Night at all? Or have you seen it? Um, I can't remember. Okay, well, if we haven't, we that's, should watch that's Cage, it. isn't it, right? No, 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 it's, uh... Oh fuck! Who is it? The um, Rambo, the guy who played Rambo. Um, oh. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, him, him and Jamie Foxx. I think it's him and Jamie Foxx. I'm trying to remember who his like his co-star was. Anyway, right. there's a point in the beginning of the movie. It's like set in a dystopian Los Angeles um, in the early 2000s. Uh, I say I say dystopian, but it's more like everyone is very neutered. Like everything is very like, um, like correct. yeah, you get fined a dollar for swearing, that sort of thing. And um, there's a scene in the early part of the movie where this guy is he's in a phone booth and he's getting like therapy and like the he just presses a button. He's like, oh, I'm feeling sad, and the the phone booth goes, don't feel sad. You're a wonderful, happy person. You bring happiness and joy to everyone around you. And it, that's what that reminded me of when you're talking about an AI that you talk to and it just makes you feel better. That reminds me of a, a Valorant game where everyone's like, nice try when you've just eaten shit. <laughs> Somehow it sounds like an insult when that happens. Um, yeah. But uh, um, also, I was just going to say, the last uh, thing, uh, Japan also had an AI. Oh? And there's was about as equally broken as America's. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was just very, very lewd. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I think it was an anime character as well. I could be wrong. <laughs> that is awesome. That, I would really love to see how that would work. Like, release one of these AIs in, like, every country and see how yeah. it how it's affected. Because it yeah. in the US, like, um, basically people just got it to say the most vile, awful thing things imaginable um just because they could and in japan relating to the 1940s yeah yeah specifically the uh the bad guys in world war ii thank you youtube Mm. for making me talk like a child um right (laughs) there was and then in japan they made it you know also say vile things but it was very very lewd things um and in china it was perfectly polite and you know normal because everyone was terrified to fuck with it yeah that's you you know about like China's whole social credit system, right? Uh, no. Uh, okay, quick quick breakdown, and we're we're coming up on the end, so this will probably be the last thing we talk about. But in China, they've been implementing this. Um, essentially, you have like like with actual credit, you have a credit score, right? Yeah. So like you know in the anything above like you know for credit scores anything above six hundred is is pretty good like eight hundred is amazing and above, and then once you get below like five hundred or so then you're in the shit box and anything below like two hundred no one's going to give you a loan. Um, right. 
in China, they're doing the same thing, but for, like, social, like, interactions. So... Oh, that's like the fucking Black Mirror episode. That's what it... I don't know if that that episode was based on this, um, or or something, or they just thought of it independently, but yeah, basically that. Oof, that's so, horrible. But they actually have that, and depending on what your social credit score is, uh, you can... Like, you might not be able to ta- do plane travel, you might have to take trains... Um, you might not be able to get loans, you might not be able to buy property, you might not be able to travel internationally, you might be restricted to your province if it gets low enough. Um, and they're they're basically using it, they're using social media as a way to moderate and control human behavior. Uh, it's, a, it's a horrendous thing, but it's fascinating from a technological and you know, like social science perspective. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about the Black Mirror episode because that's obviously horrendous what happens. Yeah, it's it's like that, pretty much. But uh, and it's happening in real life. That's that's forget the fucking AI is taking over. Humans are bad enough. This has been a very depressing segment. Well, no, I think it started out pretty nice. <laughs> no, it started out hopeful, and then you're like, yeah, it's still not that good. <laughs> well. Those Satan lap dance. <laughs> that, that's the positive bit. <laughs> oh my god! All right, all right. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, we're gonna move on to the uh, to, to segment two now, um, and you know, look forward to that. We actually had a movie night this week, um, but yeah. This has been segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you'll hear us again momentarily for segment two. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on segment two, our media segment, and we had to redo the intro to this one a little bit because Blue shouted beans at the top of his lungs into my ear. I jumped and I clicked the drop down instead of the record button. <laughs> oh, worth it. Oh dear. Um, we did so, do movie night this week. and Guys, what did we watch in movie night today? Today? This week? Um, we watched Kindergarten Cop, a movie... I actually haven't seen a whole lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies. I just... I kind of know quotes from him, just because, you know, it's yeah, funny to so do his voice. famous. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just fun to do his voice. Just the... Mm. Get to the chopper! Ah! <laughs> California is sinking. I uh, I hadn't I didn't think I've ever seen it before. Mm-hmm. This one, um, legit, very funny, very funny, very funny, and very like the movie came out in I think it was nineteen ninety. Yeah. Um, and so very early nineties, and it had that feel to it. Like, oh god, there was just there was so many good things about that movie that just like so many like. Okay, I'm going to go through the plot. So, again, spoilers, but honestly, the movie's been out for 30 years, so, you know, if you haven't seen it at this point, like I hadn't, it's your own damn fault. Um, So, the movie opens up, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is this kind of, he's an undercover cop, and he's pursuing this guy with a terrible ponytail, uh, who (laughs) is in a shopping mall, and he gets some... It's established. He gets some info from this kind of sketchy-looking dude who's got like 
kind of another sketchy looking girl with him in the, they're like oh we're gonna get some money and, and go off together or something or whatever it, anyway the whole thing's messed up he gives the guy the info the guy's apparently looking for his family who have run off somewhere like his wife ran off and took his kid and he's we're talking about ponytail dude yeah we're way. talking about yeah we're talking about the gang po- i'll call him ponytail dude mm. talking about him um he had some weird name like crisp or yeah pip or something like that doesn't matter. let's call him crispy all right crispy ponytail uh is talking to the sketchy guy and um ponytail guy is terrible at negotiating he talks himself down from a thousand bucks to like 500 bucks crispy looks at the guy and is like now don't worry i'll take care of you pulls out a silenced pistol shoots him in the chest um then walks off throws the pistol in a garbage bin like a trash compactor and then uh, you know, goes off. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's the undercover cop, uh, finds him, or finds a dead guy, and the, you know, girl who's with him and, like, freaking out, and uh, she's, like, he tells her to, to stay put, you know, because he's going to need her as a witness, and um, she's like, no, I'm getting the hell out of here. So he handcuffs her to the dead body and then goes running off uh, to chase this guy. And then finds him talking to his mother who's also clearly some kind of a gang person um and puts a gun to the back of his head and says he's under arrest and whatever and there's this hilarious moment where all of the uh security in the mall they've all got their guns out because he's just in a nail salon you know with a drawn pistol to the back of this guy's head um he's like you know don't worry i'm a cop and he (laughs) he shows him the badge and everything and Anyway, this is all just to set up who their characters are. It then goes to the interrogation. They realize that they're not going to get anything out of the guy, so they need the woman to, you know, identify someone in a lineup. She's freaked out. She's pissed off that Arnold, you know, handcuffed her to a dead body. Um, and so she runs off. They can't hold her, and it looks like Crispy's going to walk. So Arnold goes after the girl. You know, finds her in, like, a drug den, blows the place up with a shotgun, like, just just insanely over the top. It was like a Terminator scene, uh, which I guess makes sense because it was him. And he creeps her out and convinces her to, um, you know, identify him in a lineup. She does. Uh, so there, that's enough to at least hold him, and but it's not enough to necessarily convict him. So they need more evidence or something. So they need, basically, to find this guy's wife and get her to testify against him. And so that gives Arnold and his partner the task of going upstate undercover uh, to try and ID the woman and find her kid. Because they don't have a a good description of the woman or the kid. They have a a very young baby photo of the kid and a vague image of what the, the wife looks like. They get up there and... The, the female officer is supposed to go undercover as a kindergarten teacher because she used to be a teacher before she joined the police force or something like that. Um, I don't remember. It, it's very quickly established. It's kind of a throwaway thing. doesn't matter because she gets horrible food poisoning on the way up, and then Arnold has to take over and be the substitute teacher. So you got this big, burly, like, you know, flat-top, military-looking dude who's, who's going to go undercover as a, as a kindergarten teacher. And it is hilarious. Everyone's skeptical about it. And um, even the principal is just like, I don't like this. You know, do you have any teaching experience? And Arnold kind of soft lies. Just, 
would they have sent me if I didn't? And, um, of course, he has no teaching experience, and the kids, like, run him ragged on the first day. Uh, but over the course of the movie, he, like, he's able to, like, you know, be good for the kids and, like, you know, discipline them and get them to, you know, uh, like having him as a teacher. Um, and eventually, you know, the, the movie culminates. Crispy gets out of, uh, out of jail and on bail or something like that. And then he heads upstate because he knows his you know, his wife's up there. And there's a big showdown between him and Arnold. And they end up saving the guy and his wife. And the, the guy's wife and Arnold end up, like, you know, falling for each other uh, over the course of the movie. Before they even knew who each other were, Arnold didn't know she was the, the woman and she didn't know he was a cop. But they go through this arc and has a very wholesome ending. Uh, and I think... Crispy gets shot in the chest. Um, wow, that was um, a very intense description of the first third of the film, followed by a very brief outro for the rest of it. <laughs> well, I mean, there really was, there was a lot of detail packed in that first part that kind of established who everyone is, mm-hmm. and the rest of the movie it's it's very light on details and it's just really entertaining. And plus, what happens in the rest of the movie is the what I want to talk about with you. So I, I left it off at the plot summary. Okay. Oh my Did god. You, sorry, I thought that was a particular point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start with one of them. One of the things I kept thinking throughout this movie is like, oh my god, this would get so much flack if it was made today. Yeah, absolutely. The um the slight homophobia, I guess. Uh, oh uh, my Well, I, I wouldn't even call it slight homophobia, like it was just um the, the scene I'm thinking of is in the very beginning. It's like uh, day two or three of him teaching. And uh, the parents are all like the th- there are three mothers, you know, standing around. It's also established early on in the movie that this town is like the three capital. In, yeah, yeah. It's the capital in California. It's, it's where a lot of people go to like run away from bad relationships, essentially. Um, so there's three mothers kind of standing around in a circle. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, Jacob told me that he has a new a new substitute teacher, and you know what? I, it, it's a male kindergarten teacher. Oh, he must be gay. And then they then they turn around because the kids like, oh, mom, that's him. And they look, and it's you know Arnold walking up in a polo shirt. He's like flexing as he walks. And um, the one mother's like, oh my god, oh my god, he can't see me. And it's like I don't have makeup on today. And she's like, the other mother's like, neither do I. And she's like, well, you you're already married. <laughs> like you can look schlubby. Or something like that. Um, so there is there is a couple jokes like made like it's very very weird that there's a male kindergarten teacher, which yeah. Let's let's be fair. It is it is rare. Um, I I don't think I've. I'm trying to think I back. Know how rare it is because I mean, everyone thinks you know when you think of a nurse you think it's a female role because that's how, where it used to always have to be. But, yeah. I think there are a vast number of, like, male nurses these days, and it could be the same with kindergarten teachers. I don't really know, because I don't hang around hospitals or schools. <laughs> I'm thinking back. My Like, I went to kindergarten around this time. So this movie came out in 1990. I would have been in kindergarten in, like, 92 or 93. Yeah. Um, so, like, three years later, and all of the kindergarten teachers in my school were female. And, in fact... In first and second grade, all of the teachers there were were female. 
Right. Um, maybe not second grade, but first grade. So I, I think... I, I don't think it's... It's probably more common today, but I do think that, you know, working with children, especially in, like, uh, like an educational role when they're that young, I do think it's something that attracts more women than men. Yeah. But I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, like nursing, it's probably going to be... Men in those roles are probably going to be a little bit more common these days. Mm. I mean, I know with the, the course that Alyssa's on, there's, like, two guys in the whole year. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess the, the stereotypes still do live in these kinds of industries, but... I mean, it must be getting better. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's a matter of stereotypes, or I don't think it's something that needs to get better. I think it's just people are interested in different things, and you know, I know this is a very controversial thing to say these days, but men and women are different. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think when when we were growing up, men and women were a lot more more different because. We were kind of, at the time, it was the norm that men were meant to do certain things and women were meant to do certain things. And so, yeah, I think our generation as men and women are more different in modern yeah. day than kids who are growing up now. I think the lines are a lot more blurred. So when they get to our age, I think they will be more similar than to, to one another than we are to... I can agenda today. I can get behind that. I guess what I'm trying to say is so there's there's two things that like make people distinct from one another. So we keep keep on the subject of men and women. Like you can you essentially have cultural and biological things that make people distinct. Um like yeah. in terms of how they act and the sort of things they'll they pursue and do in life. Uh so yes, I think that those cultural pressures like the like when we were growing up um, those have definitely lessened now, um, and so that that is going to go away. But so there's always going to be biological differences, and some of that comes down to again. I'm, I guess that it, it's so weird to me that this is controversial, um, yeah. but <laughs> but but because I'm I I don't know why I'm choosing my words so carefully with there this. There are fundamental differences between there, men and women. Yeah. I don't think anyone can dispute that. There's a I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. I know this is we're supposed to be talking about a movie here, but there's this weird um this weird sort of unspoken rule when discussing matters of like, you know, biology. We can talk about, you know, gen how genetics will make you taller or shorter or more muscular or more, you know, skinny or whatever. Um but there seems to be this idea that we have to stop talking about biological influences once it goes above the neck. Like, you can't talk about how biology affects your brain. But you you will see that, like, from generation to generation, like, two very smart people will tend to have a very smart kid. And some of that is down to the fact that they're probably going to be raising them to be very intelligent. But some of that is down to genetics. Hmm. And it just, it, it weirds me out that people are uncomfortable. To, actually, you know what? I think I know why that is. It's probably because, like, 
let's say in the, the mid 20th century, there were quite a few fairly nasty ideologies that were birthed from looking at genetic um, influences on people. Right. Um, so w- without going too deep into that, yes, stereotyping, whatever. Anyway, but that's a, that's a theme throughout the movie is that he's, you know, he's this very manly man as a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think part of the reason that it's so taboo is that uh, I don't think many people actually understand it. Like, I know for a fact I don't understand how the workings of how two people who are intelligent could make a more intelligent baby, right? Hmm. I, I, I get the vague idea of, like, the DNA of the two, just it works well. Yeah. But and this, beyond that, I, I'm, I'm no fucking scientist on it. Um, not... I think it's the same with a lot of people. Yeah, not... that. That's actually a good point. If people do tend to balk and be a little uncomfortable discussing things they don't fully get. Mm. Uh, at least some people. I see plenty of people out there shouting and crying about stuff they have no idea what they're talking about. But... Um, it's it's honestly it's a fairly new field of study because we're only just now um like now that we've got the human genome mapped we're only now starting to figure out what genes code for what um so like they can one of the first ones they figured out was like eye color essentially you know mm-hmm. um there they found the genes that code for that they found genes that code for oh they they were looking for ones that code for like propensity to get cancer and stuff like that yeah it's a fascinating field of study and one that has a pretty vast, um, boundless research you can do on it. Yeah. And, but there's also like fairly vast, uh, opportunities to misuse the information that's taken out of that. So it's something that I think ethics is going to be very, very important as that field advances. Mm. When people start wanting like test tube babies that are yeah. perfect in every way. Yeah. Um, which don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't think it's wrong to want, a child to give a child the best start in life um and I, at the same time i'm not someone who i i personally do not have uh i i'm not religious so the, yeah. the whole thing about you know god didn't make the, them so they're not a person or something i i understand why people think that way because of religion mm. i don't share that belief um, I I think it's fine to make a test tube child, but I think there are things that should not be messed with just because you can. Like, yeah, making a child a particular like well, setting their height DNA or something. I don't know. It's yeah. not really important. It, it's you you get it's it's a very vague line, and it's going to be a very contentious thing i think in the 21st century because you've got um you know i don't think anyone would argue well most people i don't think would argue against doing a little gene manipulation to reduce the child's chance of getting cancer or to you know if you found out they were going to have some sort of a genetic like disorder that would make their life very difficult correcting that before they were born that sort of thing i think a lot of people you know Again, if they're not opposed to it on, you know, religious grounds, a lot of people would, I I guess, if not want to do it, they would 
see the logic behind doing it. But then, well, how far do you go with that? Well, this child's going to have more opportunities if he's taller, like you suggested. Or this child's going to have, you know, a better life if they have, I don't know, green eyes or whatever. Or just because it's aesthetically pleasing. I want a blonde baby. It's it's a very, very like deep rabbit hole you could go down with this. Um, yeah, how did we get here from kindergarten cop? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a very interesting subject, though. I'm, I'm, it is, yeah. Um, I think the moment everyone can pick and choose, like, a fucking character select screen, what their child is going to look like, um, I think all the excitement of, of, you know, like, a person being unique goes out the window. They're not unique yeah. anymore because they've been oh. selected. Oh my god, can I this just occurred to me. Can you imagine like I'm I'm seeing it be like a fashion thing, like um Oh absolutely. I like hairstyle a fashion thing. Well hairstyles change, right? And it's like, oh, this year, you know, you get the emo look or now it's a buzz cut or something like that. Yeah. What you're gonna start I wonder if you'll start seeing that with like couples. Like 'cause families, you know, parents they all like you know, they hang out together and they, they talk about their kids and whatnot and I wonder if it's going to be like, imagine being born because when you were being conceived, it was fashionable to have, you know, blonde hair and uh, brown eyes and freckles and be six feet tall. But right. in like 10 years, now it's fashionable to be, you know, five foot 10 and have uh, green, green eyes and black hair. And you are now a 10-year-old, and you're out of style. Like, yeah. just like an old handbag or something like that. That, that, that's a that's really, depressing. that's a very depressing <laughs> thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kindergarten Cop is not a depressing movie. I didn't no, expect us to, <laughs> we're getting on to, like, existential philosophy and the uh, ethics of gene manipulation after talking about <laughs> Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> It's sort of our wildest tangents. Oh my god! But so let let's 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 take it back. Let's move back, yeah. (laughs) So I I one thing other thing I kept thinking in that movie was um, I couldn't tell if that was a movie that was meant for like kids or a movie that was meant for adults. Oh, I think it was definitely one of these things where it's uh, targeted at kids, but it has enough like in jokes for the adults that the kids don't understand. But. In the opening scene, well, opening, like, bits, Arnold Schwarzenegger goes into a drug den and blows people up, like, blows people away with a shotgun. But you don't see any blood. He doesn't actually shoot anyone in that scene. Oh, that's right, he's just blowing stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, he just, like, shoots a sofa and it flips ten times out of the window. (laughs) That was awesome. Uh, Like, it's a really cool scene, it's not a gory scene at all. He he pushes someone against a wall, actually, at one point, so I guess there's a bit of... Yeah, well, and at the end, the guy gets shot in the chest a bunch in the bathroom. But he's the bad guy. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s, like, the, you know, the bad guy died. That was just part of movies. I mean, there's also the guy who got shot in the beginning scene, but, I mean, it was like a... It wasn't visceral. There was, like, a red splotch on his t-shirt, and there was no, like, guts yeah. hanging out on the other side of him or anything. It wasn't, yeah, it was, it was violent, but it wasn't gory. Yeah. And it was quite sudden as well. It wasn't a loud bang because he was using a silencer. Also, yeah. Why the fuck did he get rid of the silenced pistol? Like, just walk out. Uh, I'm well, sure the fucking thing wouldn't have like a its 
registration code on it. I'm sure you would have scraped that off. Mm, well, okay. So you, if you're ever planning to go out there and commit some crimes, uh, no, don't. This is not advice. This is just how this works. <laughs> um, in general, like if he had kept the gun, then the cops would have had that, and they would have had hard material evidence connecting him to a murder uh, when Schwarzenegger arrested him. That's true, but he had no idea that he was being followed. He didn't, but it still it still would be safer to get rid of the weapon, like just as as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. In general, so if you got rid of it two foot from the crime scene, he did, but he got rid of it in a way that it was going to be destroyed. Um, like it would have been com- like it would have been crushed. There would have been no like um, no fingerprints on it. They would have had to know that he went there and then search through that entire garbage machine before the trash got crushed. Um, the first job I had in high school, we had one of those out back. I worked in a hospital kitchen, and you basically every time you threw trash in there, you'd press the button and it'd crush it. So chances are that that would be destroyed within you know minutes. Um, that being said, a lot of times uh, it can be harder, like if you're going to dispose of a weapon like that, if criminals dispose of weapons, they need to dispose of it like that in a way that it's going to be destroyed very quickly. Because if they dispose of it in a location where it can be found and then linked to them, that's actually worse a lot of the times than keeping it on you. Um but in this case, I think that's that's why, because they needed a reason that the police needed to go up to that that town and find the the wife and have the whole kindergarten subplot. If they'd found the pistol, the movie would have been over in like you know twenty minutes. I don't know. I just think, it, considering he had no idea at the time that he was being followed, I think he must have like more money than sense, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. To I mean, it's possible. I mean, he's he's like a crime lord, right? That's true. I mean, he said... I mean, the whole three million thing was was a lie anyway, so we have no real, ide- real idea of his actual expenses. Yeah. There's a... I, and I think you are you could be right there. They may have just done that so that there was a... You know, it looked good on screen, and it made them need to go up and have the rest of the plot to happen. Hmm. Honestly, I think they could have done the whole thing without the assistant cop as well I know that was the reason why he had to be the teacher but then they could have just told him you're going to be a teacher <laughs> I, I don't think she was entirely necessary as a character yeah but I think it was they needed a reason that and this goes back to the whole like uh, stereotype of it's weird to have a male cop uh, or a male kindergarten teacher so they, yeah. they needed to have a reason that he was, you know, kind of thrust into this role when he really it was it'd be weird and conspicuous for him to do. Um, I also I, I really liked the. Um, sorry, did you have more to say about that? I realize it just kind no, of. Didn't, no, didn't. I, I really liked the subplot they did with the, um, the the kid that was getting abused. Like there was yeah, one I kid. They gone back to that really. Yeah, I mean, to see what happened to him. I think it's kind of just established that... So there's there's this one kid who's, like, kind of quiet in the classroom, and Arnold tries to get him to, like, pay attention, and um, he thinks... This woman's avoiding him, and so he thinks that, like, she, oh, she must be... This guy must be the kid, and she must be the mother. Um, 
you know, the one they're looking for up there. And so one day he finally catches her and he's like talking to her. And before he can ask her anything, she kind of just blurts out, oh, are you, you're talking to me because you must have seen the marks on his legs. You know, just please don't report it. It was it was one thing. He's in therapy. He's getting help. And um, then Schwarzenegger realizes, oh, you know, this kid's getting abused by his dad at home. Hmm. And so he just goes, uh, you know, he, he says, what does he say to him? He's like, if there's another bruise, I'll be. Yeah, I'll report you. I, you know, I'm yeah. reporting it or something. And sure enough, the kid comes in late one day and he pulls back his shirt and there's a bruise in the back of his neck. Um, and he goes outside, like he, you know, the mother tries to stop him. He goes outside and he just, you know, goes up. The father's sitting out there and he tries to play it off like nothing's wrong. And Schwarzenegger <laughs> just punches him in the stomach. Well, dodges the first blow because the guy throws it. Yeah, that's true. The guy hit tries to hit him first. Um, and then, yeah, he beats his light out in front of uh, the whole kindergarten class. Yeah. There was a... Which I don't know why they were all there, really. I guess it was just for the story, for the shock factor, but... Yeah. They wouldn't have been there in real life. <laughs> it, it was it was funny, too, <laughs> when, they, when the first... Uh, so, just to finish up that bit, the principal then, like, brings him into his her office and is like, you know... It's implied that she is like gonna be reprimanding him for what what he did, and he's apologizing. Um, and then the principal then goes like, "So you have to tell me what was it like to hit that son of a bitch?" No. <laughs> he's like, "Did it feel good?" And he's like, "Yes, it did feel good." That was the wrong accent. Um, that was pretty good, though. And then. Um, afterwards like he like the principal's alone in her office you can just see her like squaring up this tiny tiny little old lady and she just like throws a punch and goes like wah <laughs> it was it was adorable it was good um yeah final final thoughts on the movie <laughs> wait sorry two two more uh classic quotes that came out of this like when the fire alarm goes off and the first time, and he's like, it's a, clearly a fire drill. And he's panicking and running around. And he's just like, ah, get everything, get out, get out. <laughs> and he's like, everyone else has orderly, you know, gone out of the classroom and everything. And you see him come sprinting out. The kids are all running out around him. And he's got two of them under his arms. Yeah. <laughs> just... And then the other one, when um, he's... Like, he's talking to the kids, and um, he's trying to gather evidence. So he's like, we're going to play a game. It's called, who is your daddy, and what does he do? <laughs> and he, like, he's getting frustrated at one point, and he's, like, rubbing his head, and he's just like, ugh. <laughs> and the one kid is like, do you have a headache? It could be a brain tumor. <laughs> he just turns yeah, back to him. and he's kid like, thinks everything's go everyone's going to die. Is what yeah. He keeps saying. And so the kid turn and he turns back and he's it's not a tumor. Oh yeah, when um when the the real fire alarm is going off near the end. Yeah, and he just pulls out a gun in the middle of the school. And That's like the kids thing. Running past him, he gets on top of the stairs and he he like jumps around the corner because there's like noise there and like five kids just oh it's you ha ha ha. He's pointing like well, an assault. A assault rifle? No, was it a pistol? It was a pistol, yeah, because he had it hidden in his sock or something. It was a submachine gun. 
Now, I uh, think yeah, he's I think, like very clearly pointing a gun at them, and they're just like, "Oh, it's you!" <laughs> Run past. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, he did point a, a gun at a kid at one point. Yeah. I mean, but this is you have to keep in mind. This is America in the '90s, um, where a people were just more sane about guns in general, but b yeah. um, it was seen as like a really really good thing for like you know good people to have like weapons no matter where it was so like the fact that like looking at it from like america in the 90s it's it's like oh he's a cop with a gun of course he has a gun it's great that he has one because now he can shoot the bad guys hmm. um nowadays yeah you're right we're seeing it from the the 2021 perspective it's like <gasps> bless my heart did he just point a gun at a child i mean it's still kind of fucked up <laughs> i don't know why i went with a southern accent there yeah, um, but no, really good movie. Um, I recommend it. Yeah, highly. I think <sighs> it was one of the. Don't get me wrong. When, when we watch movies, we quite often all enjoy them. Mm. But I think this was a particular favorite of ours uh, among the three of us. Well, the the fact that we rotate between the three of us choosing movies, I think there's there's plenty of opportunity for like because we, we all have favorite movies. We all yeah. have seen enough that we're like, oh, that's a good one. Um, well, that's the thing. It's it's my choice next, and I am. Uh, I I I always like um a, a challenge between two movies that I want to pick. Ooh, I just put a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, yeah, and so like, I know I keep we keep talking about this movie and we never fucking watch it. What what movie? We need to watch Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I want to watch Going Postal. <laughs> I have never heard of Going Postal. You won't know. It's a Terry Pratchett film. Oh, okay, um, okay. Because it's it's really funny, and I, I find it really funny. That's the thing. I have prior experience with Terry Pratchett books. Like, I've read them all, so I'm naturally biased. So maybe it'll be mm. really fucking boring for you guys. I doubt it. Yeah. Because I really love it. I don't know if it's just like... Hmm. I mean... What was it? Riddick was kind of like that. That was a movie that you had a lot of. Um, yeah, you I mean, had a it lot just of. Doesn't stand up. Yeah, but I mean, I still enjoyed watching it. It just we didn't have much to say after the fact because it was it kind of like went in and out of my head fairly yeah, uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, because it was it was an action movie, um, and that was more one that I enjoyed as a kid. This is one that I more enjoyed as an adult for its um, comedy and the the way the way the movie thinks. Yeah. Um, it's 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 okay. T- tell me if this sounds boring to you. I mean, it, the very premise of it in my head does sound boring. Yeah. But it's about um, what's what's the equivalent of the Royal Mail in America? Uh, U.S. Postal Service, USPS. Okay. So imagine it's like the USPS has gone out of fashion, and everyone is just using uh, phones. I mean, it, okay. That's 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 just life, I guess. Yeah, modern day. Um, uh, and it's the, the 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 people who run the phone companies are like evil, not in real life, but <laughs> in this example. <laughs> you hear us, AT and T? Fuck you. <laughs> they're, they're spreading five G from the towers, and it's killing everyone. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm actually uh, little little side tangent here. I have AT and T for my like the, it's the network my work phone uses. Um, 
Um, I should clarify that. I have two cell phones. One is a phone paid for by my work, and the other one is a flip phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and AT&T is actually really good, at least where I live. Like, I, I have... It's actually... It gets great reception. Like, the rates are pretty good, and it, unlimited data, so... Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just... So, I had to clarify that, you know, that was that was a sarcastic attack, AT&T. <laughs> so, the, the old post office... The USPS has been completely shut down at this point. No one sends a letter anymore because they're all using uh, phones. It's a lot faster, it's cheaper, etc. Yeah. So the leader of the city decides, hang on, we don't want someone having a monopoly on this kind of business. So he takes this person who was about to be um, uh, a professional thief and counterfeiter. Yeah. Who has been caught and is sentenced for execution. He takes that person and does a fake execution and then sets that person up as the new leader of the post office. And unless he gets, unless he starts making results, he will be executed. That is such a weird premise. Um, yeah, so there's like the, the this master thief counterfeiter is set up as like the good guy against this conglomerate conglomeration that's just trying to have the market i i actually um, you were asking if that's that premise sounds interesting it really does thank you yeah well i hope so um and yeah it's all about showing how much you know how much meaningful receiving a letter from a loved one is as opposed to a text oh. message that kind of thing it goes into those kind of things that remind um, okay so sorry you, let me know when you're uh, yeah, I was just going to finish it with saying, like, and there's a bunch of phrases that we've all forgotten. Like, back in the day, there was something called Swalk, or S-W-A-L-K, which meant sealed with a loving kiss, which some people would put on, like, a love letter. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And things like that. Just really, I find it interesting, and it's also a comedy, so it's quite funny. Yeah, I... Uh, go. <laughs> I, I, yeah. There's a... There's a so one of the TV shows that I, I really really like. It's kind of a. It's definitely something that, you know, you have to. It it's not going to be for everybody. But the the TV show Mad Men, have you ever watched it? I don't know. It's a um, it's a TV show about. It, it takes place um, throughout the entire course of the '60s in America, and it follows a series of characters who work for an advertising agency in New York. Mad Men, because they, they at the ad agencies were on Madison Avenue. My father watched it, I think, because I remember mm. seeing like the cover of it, but I don't think I've seen it myself. It's quite quite good, um, and it's it's it good for two reasons. One, it has a fairly fair look at what the culture was like at the time, mm. um, and I think it, it doesn't. Was the first episode of it. Sorry, sorry, and it, it doesn't it doesn't judge the culture. It just shows you what it was like. But it also has like really good writing and really good character arcs for all of the people involved. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. But one of the one of the things is they take a contract from a uh, telegram company. They're trying to advertise because people are using the phone now. They're not they're not bothering with telegrams, um, and they're trying to think of a like a tagline they can use to to in the marketing to sell it, and one of the the phrases they end up going with is you can't frame a phone call um 
And it just made me think of that when you're talking about using the postal service versus, you know, talking on the phone. It's the same sort of concept. There's a there's a physicality and something special about receiving, like, you know, a handwritten letter mm. uh, or something like that rather than actually just... Because you, you call somebody up, you have a conversation, that conversation is gone. But there's a there's a certain... Like, if you have a, a really meaningful discourse with somebody or you get a letter or something that says something really precious to you like emotionally you can keep you can keep that and hold on to it and look back on it you can't really do that with like this well i mean this conversation is actually going to stay around because it's being recorded but (laughs) our normal conversations wouldn't be um it's all just there is something special about that i think and there's there is a yeah it's about the 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 values of tradition and whether the new latest thing is actually better than yeah you know the traditional thing and it, um, it but we are getting on a bit we we are well over time but I, there's two final thoughts i had before we move on to the the last segment here um cuz we're already over so fuck it um one i think to your last point there i think it def- depends on how you define better like what is better is better just more efficient in which case yeah obviously you know phone conversations are better Mm. but in terms of like getting across like meaning and really getting the the like the deep i don't know more subtle uh meanings of you know what you're trying to convey to somebody the actual emotion behind the words maybe you know text and traditional forms of communication are better for that um well, that's this has been a very philosophical segment for one where we were talking about kindergarten cop. Yeah, <laughs> and we we went over time and we only talked about that one movie. And we got into a little bit yeah. of existential philosophy, but well, there you go. Um, last thing before I end, uh, I think I'm actually going to have a book to talk about soon um, because I just got it. It's one I've been meaning to read for a long time. It's one of those classic books. It actually fits into a lot of what we talked about in this segment. Uh, the book is A Brave New World. Um, it's basically about... I, I'm not sure whether to call it a dystopian future or not, but it's a future which has essentially eschewed all non-scientific thinking. And science, by definition, has no moral compass. So, like, from a purely scientific perspective... You know, there's no reason you shouldn't just shove drugs in your face all day because it makes you feel good. Um, but from a moral perspective, that's it's not really a good thing. Mm. Anyway, uh, so I'm, I haven't started reading it yet. I, I, I know the vague premises of the book, but I, I think we may do another book segment at some point, And I'm hoping to have it finished before that. Anyway, that's okay. all. Cool. Uh, this is going to be the end of segment two of the TMCJ podcast, our very long philosophy segment for some reason. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening, and you'll hear us again momentarily for segment three. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. I, I oh God, didn't... Again. What? 
<laughs> we're good just keep the recording is gonna be a bit fucky but go on <laughs> welcome back to the tmcj podcast we're here on segment three this time it is long story short again uh the game that we both enjoy playing i think and blue was shouting in my ear so much that he forgot to hit record on his end for a few seconds <laughs> I was so, there trying so hard to distract kai's that i distracted myself and i didn't even flinch oh god these <laughs> Yeah, so we we had a little bit of a kerfuffle in the interim there, where where Blue thought of a what, what he says was a very good idea for one of the ones he's going to be assigning me, and then forgot it. Yeah. So, uh, but he found it again. You know, he he misplaced it in his brain, and now it's back. Um, the bitch came back. The very next day, on the bitch. Oh, okay, we're we're not singing. Um, nope. <laughs> we're probably not. Gonna... Copyright strike. That's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Too uh, accurate. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that, that's a an interesting song to juxtapose with the earlier segment. Um, mm. Okay, so do you want to go first, or should I, or I can roll a die? Let's roll for it. Okay. Um, uh, Eleven and up is me. Okay. What'd you get? Oh, sorry. Sorry, it sounded like you were rolling something in the background. I got oh, no, no. a oh, nine. No. I'm going first. Bam. Decided. Okay, <clears throat> so the this might need a little bit of a preface. This was a TV show that I really liked when I was growing up um, mm. in the '90s. It was called Reboot. Um, it was one of the first CGI like TV shows. So it was you know, entirely computer generated. It was kind of rough around the edges, especially in the earlier seasons, um, because it kind of had like a lower budget. But it, very good series, and I am going to. I was about to start talking about the plot before you even started the timer. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I I feel fairly confident that I should be able to, uh, you know, go through it reliably. I suddenly realized that my dragon protector of the phone. Was not on my desk. I can hear you rearranging your desk. Okay, all right. All right. We are ready. All right. Tell me when to start. So what's it called? A reboot. Reboot. Okay. Two minutes to describe reboot. Three, two, one, go. Reboot is set inside of a computer. So essentially it's all like themed around computers. Essentially the idea is that inside your computer there's this city made up by the software and programs and hardware uh, where you have like the viruses or the villains and that the the heroes are like the antivirus software is called quote-unquote Guardians and all the other programs are just these little things and there's different varieties There's what's called sprites which are the humanoid looking ones except they have like green and blue skin And then there are the other little guys that sometimes look like ones and zeros and stuff just a bunch of little things It's a quirky little CGI TV show at first, and so it mainly involves the idea of the um, you know the the main characters trying to fight off the viruses that are in the system. And there's there's two or three of them, and at first that's all it is. There they also have this this theme where every time a game is started, a giant cube will drop on a portion of the city, and if the okay. person if the person who is you know playing on the game if they win if the the player wins then it destroys a part of the computer and so they have to also go into these games and you know win them so that the the city maintains you know stays intact that's the first two seasons but then like through like a contrived series of events um the 
the main villain, the virus, manages to uh, get rid of, like, he manages to get rid of the main protagonist, and then the other people try to stop him on their own, but then one of the, the, the younger, uh, you know, sprite people, he ends up getting tricked and loses, and then ends up going out onto the web, which is, in this, is like this horrifying, like, Lovecraftian nightmare universe. Um, he goes out there, he gets, it, it gets very gritty in the second half. They come back to the city eventually, and then they're able to defeat Stop. the villain, and everyone lives happily ever after. Uh. God, I, um, I, I couldn't describe that, that like near... carbon copy of Digimon, Tron, and Wreck-It Ralph. It's, I've never seen Wreck-It Ralph, but I could see it being a copy... Maybe it, it, it shares themes with Digimon and Tron, but I wouldn't say it's the same. I did a very... I, I'm, even I can admit, I did a very poor job describing that. <laughs> um... But the first two seasons are very happy-go-lucky, um, but the later seasons are really, really good. And they do get kind of, like, dark and gritty. Okay. Um, still a great See. series. But I haven't watched it in years. I actually own the whole set on DVD. Alright, what did you pick? Okay, I picked Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. I've never played this, but I know what it is. Hmm. Okay, uh, ready to go? Yes. All right. Three, two, one, go. Nino Kuni: Wrath of the White Witch is a uh, originally a console game, I believe, which is mm. about um, it's the the people who made it. The they employed uh, Studio Ghibli to do a lot of the artwork. So it's this beautiful animated game. Um, a boy called Oliver. He's a very young child. Uh, when he's quite young, his mother gets um, basically killed. And he's in a terrible state, uh, but then a like a, a doll thing that his mother gave him. Uh, it's not really a doll; that makes it sound creepy. It's like a, a plushy toy comes to life and tells Oliver not to stop crying, no, to stop crying, sorry, and takes Oliver away to another world, just like a parallel dimension, uh, where it's uh, everything looks really old timey. Like there's there's cities with fortifications and stuff and everyone has had like, one minute or a lot of people have had pieces of their heart taken away whether it's their like courage has been taken away or their love has been taken away or a another like key value of people's emotions been taken away and Oliver is able to take excess amounts of like happiness or courage from other people with their permission and replace it in the people who are like depressed or scared or stuff like that and so he goes across this new world, uh, helping all the people in the different cities. Going 30 seconds place. left. There's a bunch of different, like, um, creatures. It's a lot like, the, there's, they engage a, like, Pokemon mechanic, where you have your own creatures versus uh, the others, and you can capture, like, wild creatures. Um, and you go to, like, a desert with tropical paradise things you go to a pig island where everyone has like heavy armor and stuff you go to uh, land of the fairies which is where mr drippy comes from he's a welsh fairy that guides you he's the oh, two minutes time fuck <laughs> i mean you were getting in, you were getting pretty deep in the plot there i was i wasn't even halfway <laughs> wait really 
gotta gotta summarize more. I <laughs> God, we're both yeah. shit at this. Let's see how we do in round two. Um, some 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 of these plots we're able to like condense pretty well, and other ones we the the first two that we both chose for ourselves we kind of just meandered along. Well, I always try and give one that has enough content that I can keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just give myself too much. Like, I didn't mention any of the evil characters. I uh, actually, definitely. as you were going through that, I realized I've actually seen the zero punctuation for that. Because it was starting to sound familiar, and I'm like, right. oh, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, Very good game. I also, enjoyed. completely unrelated to this game, and just a little bit of news I'm going to throw in here, just to make sure that we don't get too professional. Um, have you heard that the Suez Canal is clogged? <laughs> the, no. It's how you get from the Mediterranean to the Red Sea and out into the Indian Ocean. Um, yeah. A boat drew a dick on a map, like by, like by sailing in the shape of a dick, and then got stuck sideways in the canal. And it's blocked all international shipping into and out of the canal. <laughs> and it, it's just such a stupid story. I had to mention it. Oh, my God. Anyway, so uh, um, what's me? Well, I was just going to say quickly. There's a second Nino Kuni game has been released. Oh. And it starts off with the president of America, like, in a limousine. And then a nuclear bomb hits a city in front of him. And he wakes up in the, the fairyland. <laughs> What? With a gun? What? 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 <laughs> the second one, very weird. Not as good as the first one, I think. But I haven't played it through yet. I that, just seemed like the, the first part. That's such an awesome premise. <laughs> I don't want to play that. up in the chamber of like a young king who's about to be... Uh, like... Cooed over... What's the word? Yeah, like, overthrown. Yeah, the coup d'etat, yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> some guards, like, approach this young prince who has cat ears, because... Why not? Um, and he just fucking pulls out his gun and shoots all of them. I really want to <laughs> play like that. It's children's game. I really, really want to play that now. Okay, okay, okay. All right, uh, moving okay. on. So what what, is, what do I have to describe? So the one, the easy one that I have given for you is The Boys. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I can only describe up to. I can only describe it to. Close. I can only. I said I was. I can only describe it to season two because that's. I haven't. There's a comic book series, but I'm only going to be doing the Amazon TV series. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, right, Gladiator, are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay, three, two, one, fight. The boys opens up following a uh, shabby, you know, nobody nothing man who works in an electronic shop he goes out and he's talking to his girlfriend and he's thinking about proposing to her and he loves her and when suddenly she explodes into a mist of guts and slime and he's still holding her like you know torn off hands it was some you know knockoff version of the flash that did this and i think his name was like a train or something like that anyway he goes running off he's now like in this stupor and like over the course of the first season he realizes that holy shit these like these superheroes aren't like First of all, I haven't even told the premise. In this world, superheroes exist, but they're like kind of corporate superheroes. Like there's a company called Vought that sort of, you know, handles their PR, like their social media. So they're they're like influencers and superheroes um, and covers up their occasional fuck ups. Like when this guy like ran through a woman. 
anyway, so he gets approached by this man named, you know, William Butcher, who claims to be from the FBI, but he talks with a Cockney accent. He, um, he basically tells him that he's the, the soups do all this really fucked up shit behind the scenes and he needs his help to take him down. Um, it culminates with him realizing that, no, this is, I don't want to be a part of this. He goes back to his, his workplace where, uh, the invisible guy realizes that he's been, you know, working with this butcher guy and goes there to kill him. Uh, this other superhero, um, they end up killing the invisible guy, and for the rest of the series, it ends up being the boys, this group of, like, underground, essentially, terrorists trying to take down the big company and all the superheroes. Uh, in season two, they find out the superheroes are artificially created by the company, and um, there's a big conspiracy behind the scenes. Um, also, the new superhero that is introduced in that season is secretly the first superhero who was invented by the Nazis. Okay. Good job. Okay. I, when you said 30 seconds, I was like, shit, I haven't even gotten yeah. halfway through season one yet. You haven't got through the first episode, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I was still on episode one. I tend to, like, do... I did the same thing when I was describing Kindergarten Cop earlier. Like, I, yeah. I tend to get stuck up on the build-up. When you did describe the, the, the invisible guy going after the guy at his workplace, mm. that is my favorite scene in the whole series. Like... It, the whole franchise when it's playing the boys are back in town yeah and he's just like beating the crap out of him with a like crowbar or something yeah i think he hits him with uh, a tv at one point yeah i mean he hits him with a fucking car <laughs> yeah oh uh, uh, that was that was a really that's a really i really want to rewatch season two wasn't quite as good as season one but it, it was still pretty good and he gets stuck into the story, it's not as action-filled although it does have its odd moments like exploding the c4 on the guy's ass yeah. Oh god, that that movie's very gory too. There's apparently a episode in season three, which you know, plug your ears uh, if you don't want to hear something. Well, it's not gruesome, but there's apparently an episode called Hero Gasm. Oh yeah, which is I about. Think I told you about this, didn't I? Yeah, you you may have been the one that told me. Yeah, it's just apparently a giant superhero orgy. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it kind of, it lost its way a little bit in season two, but it still stayed, it's still hands down better than a lot of the other crap that is out there right now. Um, anyway, okay, so I got you. Okay, what's my, uh, my challenge? So I, god, there's a lot of these. Um, describe the plot to Sonic Adventure 2. Oof. Okay, Ready? Uh, hang on, I need to get a basic concept in my head first. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, ten seconds. I'm one of those people who watched the, the cutscene of a game once, and then the next time I skip it. And considering I've been playing this since I was about five years old... You should know at least a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay. Ready? Alright, three, two, one, go. Okay, the plot of Sonic Adventure 2 is very loose, but... Uh, it starts with Sonic escaping prison because he's been framed by Dr. Robotnik, who set free Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow the Hedgehog then started causing chaos in an attempt to get the Chaos Emeralds. That's why they arrested Sonic. Sonic broke free to try and find out what's going on. He speaks to the president, I think? I could be thinking of a different game. I might be Sonic Adventure 1. Um... And he is trying to stop Robotnik, as he always is, 
Robotnik's gathering up the emeralds. I think Shadow's gathering up the emeralds separately to Robotnik. Um, but they eventually make it to the space station, and there's uh, a, the the maker of the original of the space station was I think Robotnik's father, and I think Robotnik's Robotnik had a no a different scientist had a daughter who was like really close to Shadow. And so Shadow's having all these flashbacks of this girl and being on the station, although he can't remember exactly why he was there. And then the the Chaos Emeralds go into the reactor on the space station and there's a massive fucking Chaos Beast that appears, and I can't remember why. Uh, and... <laughs> uh, you got 30 seconds. Okay, then. Uh, Knuckles and Rouge are fighting off against each other also to gather the emeralds. Uh, Tails also does something, I think. Uh, <laughs> there's There's a chow garden, which is the only important thing in the whole game, where you basically birth a little chow and then train it to like fight other that's chows time, and run time, races. That's time, that's time. Um, oh. You actually, you, I, I, that was, I, I didn't think it was going to be that hard for you. You got a remarkable amount right, but um, so the the scientist is not Robotnik's father, I don't think. I, I think that the, there were there were multiple scientists. Was involved in it. I can't remember why. Though. He was, yeah, but there, there were multiple. They did talk to the president, but it was Tails, not Sonic. I think. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, because there's the mission where she has to catch up with him on the freeway. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they. So the the beast is actually the prototype for Shadow. Shadow was a genetic uh, super right, weapon okay. created. Um, but yeah, most and then supersonic and super shadow. Yeah, they yeah they go off and they fight the laser beam. I, I do I do like your description of t- tails is also there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty much his involvement in the game. In in just the whole franchise in general. He's just kind of there, and Sonic does other stuff. Anyway, yeah, it's just... Also, it's always weirded me out in Sonic games and media where, like, there's, like, not even implied, but sort of a, like, a romantic interest for Sonic and Shadow, and it's a human. And it's like, Sega, you... It wasn't romantic, though. It was more of, like, she's my owner kind of thing, I felt like, in that game. Yeah, yeah. So at least that kind of made a bit more sense because I mean they're not the same species. I I don't know. All I'm saying is Sega, you caused furries. No, I think um, <laughs> that fucking cats thing or, animation what was it called? Uh, Battle cats or something? I, I I'd actually go back further. I'd say it's because of Disney. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not let's not go too yeah, deep down not, that. Yeah, not dwell on that. Uh, okay, you ready for your challenge of this month? Okay, I am ready. Okay, so I got two things that one, if not the other. Okay. First one, because I don't think you know actually all that much about this franchise. Mm. Uh, I want the Lord of the Rings story. Oh God, yeah, I've seen the movies through like once, but the... yeah, perfect. Okay, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> Do I have to go? Th- is Lord of the Rings? Am I including the Hobbit? Because the Hobbit I've actually read. No, don't include the Hobbit. Okay, that that's good because that one I know because I've read it. But yeah, um, okay, this is yeah, gonna this is actually gonna Fellowship be Fellowship of the Ring to the Return of the King. 
Okay. Um, got it. Okay, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Also, this is a lot of content, so I, do you want me to tell you every, like, 40 seconds so you can split it into three? No, I'll stick with the same one, and I'm going to try to talk as fast as I can, so. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the plot starts where there's an army, there, oh shit, um, there's this big bad guy called Sauron, he makes some rings, he uses some of the rings to control some human kings, the human kings don't like it, neither do the elves, neither do the dwarves, they form an army to fight him and his army, they end up beating him, they slice his finger off and he loses the ring, and they kick his ass, they go to destroy the ring, unfortunately the one human guy is a fucking dumbass and he decides I want the ring because I want to be powerful, he takes it back, makes him powerful, except it also gets him killed, the ring gets lost into a river, it's found by this little midget who kills his friend and then he <laughs> decides to turn into this little gremlin and he holds it for a long time until frodo baggins the main character his father or grandfather whatever finds it he takes it back with him goes off on adventures that's a plot of the hobbit frodo eventually uh, inherits it from him gandalf notices he has it and um they realize they need to destroy it because the big bad guy from the before he's still alive he's connected to the ring now he's a big eyeball in the sky so they go off on a journey and he uh they go to find some elfish people and the elf and the in the elf city they get together they have humans and they have elves and they have dwarves and they're all like arguing over who's going to destroy it the one dwarf guy smashes it with a hammer and it blows up in his face because he's a dumbass they go off and they form the fellowship of the ring these seven guys they go off try to you know destroy the ring one of the human people betray them because he wants the ring and he realizes he made a mistake so it splits up and now it's just frodo and his fat friend that go off to try to get to the mountain and the rest of them go off on adventures on their own there's a whole bunch of political machinations that help these horse people, and then they go to this big white city, and then there's a siege, and then a guy jumps off a building, and then there's a big battle, and they fight the eyeball guy and his army again. Oh, and some trees kick this other guy's ass, and there's a flood, and it's really funny, and then... Happens eventually they get into the mountain and frodo almost goes like no i want the ring but his fat friend like bites his finger off and throws the ring in the fire or something like that and everyone lived happily ever Stop. after <laughs> <laughs> that was very fast i was very impressed by the first part where you were describing sauron getting his finger cut off i like like uh, i said i was gonna try to talk as quickly as possible <laughs> Yeah, whenever you got to, like, insulting a character, you made extra venom in your voice. Like, <laughs> then a midget finds it. <laughs> and then Frodo's fat friend <laughs> helps him. It wasn't meant to be vitriolic. I just was... It, it, I tend to... Like, it, it's like an insult. You always emphasize an insult. <laughs> it just made it very funny. Um, <laughs> I didn't even realize I was doing that. Um, yeah, yeah, you you did refer to Saruman after the fact, but you did get him in. Uh, mm. Oh yeah, the ends, I mean. yeah, I forgot about it because that, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movies is where the trees go and fight him. I always get tingles down my spine when the Ents like, the trees will go to war, whatever he the says. The march of the Ents, I think it's called. Cool. Yeah, that's oh, fucking awesome. The uh, uh, Bilbo is Frodo's father. Yep. Oh, he is. Frodo's okay. Father. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't uh, sure. And I think... I mean, you, you were very... You did cover a lot of the fucking points. Uh, I got a little fuzzy with all the human conflicts, because I know there were horse people, and there was that weird, creepy Rise guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, the guy jumping off the building. It wasn't just a little building. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was... <laughs> it, was like, it was like a cliff. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, because he was the he was the douche that was in charge of the White City, right? He bought, uh, yeah, of, um, Freud of Rohan, a call to aid by, uh, it wasn't Osgiliath, because Osgiliath is the place in front of the city, um, Minas Tirith. Okay. Uh, the place with the, like, the silvery tree, I think. Um, yes, the, the asshole there gets set on fire and then sprints to the end I of was the, trying like, to... walkway. I couldn't remember if he got off. set on fire or if he just went crazy. So he did get set on fire. Okay. Yeah, so the camera pans out real far and you can just see like, this little black dot of a guy flailing his arms running towards the edge of this cliff and it's just like inevitable. Okay. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I imagine there's a lot more in the books because I didn't... I've never read the books. I've um, never read the books either. I've read The Hobbit, but not... Yeah, same, same. Yeah, I've read The Hobbit. Uh, but no, I think you did remarkably well for that, considering how much content there is. Uh, <laughs> was, I was Gollum, getting... Gollum bites his finger at the end. Gollum, okay. I, I knew he falls <laughs> off with the ring. I thought the fat friend did it for the protein hit. <laughs> Just, um, oh my god. One of my favourite games... <laughs> Uh, related to Lord of the Rings is called Lord of the Rings Conquest mm. and once you complete the game you get to play as the evil mode and that's basically where Frodo at the end gets consumed by the ring and you go from Frodo being evil and leaving Mount Doom uh, up until like the scourging of the Shire at the end where you play as like Sauron and the Balrog and you're just annihilating the hobbits that actually uh, god that sounds badass it's really, it's really quite fun. It's it's actually a multiplayer game, but I think it's I don't know if it's on Steam or not because it's on PS3. A little 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 side note here. I, I really don't think there's enough games out there that um, that uh, like do a good job. Embrace the dark side. Yeah, yeah. Let you play as the villain and do a good job of it. Yeah. Um, anyway, it really did get me interested in the franchise again when I played it. Um, but yes. So. so. I, I was a little bit meaner with mine. Um, oh no! <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I have I have a backup for this if you okay. uh, if you can't do this one or you just don't know pretty much anything about it. Um, but so I was going to say, describe the plot of the game Hades. Okay, you know what? I don't know anything about it, but I'm still willing to take it on. Okay, let's go then. Alright, we're going to do two minutes on the right. clock. Uh, let me know when you're ready. Get my thoughts. Yep. Um, okay. Okay, get ready for a lot of made-up shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's half the fun. Alright, three, two, one, go. Okay, in the game Hades, which is on, available on the Steam Store, you play as the, uh, the son of Hades. I can't remember the son's actual name, but we'll call him Jeff. Uh... <laughs> So, Jeff, you you want to leave um, hell, and you want to see what it's like on, in the upper world, So you, but your father will not let you, so you have to battle through all the demons of hell and ascend through the layers of hell to get to the surface. So, uh, you have your pet dog Cerberus as well, the, obviously the giant three-headed dog, very cute doggo, Wood, Wood's pet. Uh, you walk past like all the lines of the dam down in Hades who are going... Um, and speaking to your father and like I don't know what they're doing there they're doing like spreadsheet shit uh, so you set out and you 
you can choose from a selection of weapons, and then you go and fight the monsters of hell. Uh, and every one couple of stages, you get to how much? One minute. Okay, you get to like a a boss, which I'm uh, guessing is like uh, the guardians of hell kind of thing, and you have to defeat each of the bosses. I think the first one is like some twin sisters or something, if I recall. Uh, as you're going along, you also get favor from the, uh, the the pantheon, favor from the gods, who give you little buffs and are like they're they're chill with you. I don't know why they would be friends with the 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 son of Satan, but they're like, hey, have some thirty seconds powers in your ass, uh, and so that makes you a little bit more powerful. You fight your way through the levels; they get progressively harder. I'm assuming it's the different levels of hell, so one's probably like. Ice hell, the others like toxic hell. I'm assuming. Ten seconds, um, and then eventually you get to the surface. You fight Hades himself, your father. If you win, then you get to leave uh, hell and you've won the game. Okay, you had two seconds left. That was pretty good. You got a remarkable amount right, and a hel- <laughs> some of the things you got wrong were hilarious. Um, so the guy's name is Zagreus, uh, but I liked calling. Him <laughs> I, I, fucking, I was trying hard not to laugh when it's he called him Jazzy Jeff. Jeff. He actually looks like Jazzy Jeff. He does. He has the same same sort of look. If he's um, black, yeah, I mean. that's true. Jazzy Jeff is black, but yeah. um, so I should I should point out that um, I think Jazzy Jeff was the DJ that uh, went along with Will Smith during his rap career. Oh, <laughs> I think I I was trying to I, I was thinking the other day like where did I think of that name and I'm like I think I heard it from that. I'll have to look that up after this. Anyway, um, so yeah, his name was Zagreus. Uh, you're actually not just trying to see the outside world. You're also trying to find your mother, who is up above um, and Persephone. no longer. Yeah, Persephone. She no longer re- resides in. And it, also, Hades is the name of the god and the realm. Yeah, I, know, I knew that, but I was like not entirely sure, so I just kind of skipped yeah. over that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so there, it's not like the levels of hell. Uh, so like there's the, there's the fiery torment level. Um, there's the, uh, like just deep dark level. And then there's the, um, in Greek mythology, heaven was also in Hades. So there's also a place called Elysium, which I think it's called Elysium anyway. It's basically where all the good and heroic and awesome people go and they, they live a life of leisure and, you know, beauty for the remainder of their afterlife. Right. Um, so you actually fight through there as well. And, yep, you do fight Hades at the end. I'm trying to think if you got anything else wrong. Oh, uh, the first boss, it is sisters, but it's not twin sisters. There are three of them, and they're the three... Ah. Uh, Furies, the three Furies. I know they had like whips. Yeah, they do. Don't ask why I remember that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. But yeah, that was that was remarkably close to the plot. Holy shit! Um, you know, a good chunk of it. You just need to know Greek mythology, but yeah, yeah, that was pretty close. All right, and that actually brought us neatly to um, around thirty minutes for the uh, for the segment. Bam! Look at that. I was I was worried we wouldn't actually have enough time so professional sorry enough content Hmm. well to be fair i didn't think i'd have enough to say about hades but actually when i started talking i was like okay there is quite a few levels to this also i was trying to like aim it towards the dante's nine levels of hell but i was like i don't think there were nine levels no yeah hades didn't have nine i think it was like four (laughs) dante's nine levels of hell and that that when was that written that was like 
That was in the medieval times, I think. Right. Uh, Dante's Inferno is the book we're yeah. referring to. Anyway, um, any final thoughts before we close out the podcast? Uh, well, what are we have we got any like spoilers for next week? Anything that we're planning to do in this week? Well, oh, I don't know. Well, it's your ch- turn for movie night. We've already teased that. Yeah. I've already talked about the fact that there's a book I'm planning on starting to read, and it's actually not a terribly long book, so I might be able to get through it in a week. Yeah. Um, in fact, you, I'm sorry, this is just kind of a by-the-by thing. Do you want to watch some movie night tonight? Because I'm actually kind of game for it, if you don't have d and I do have d and I think ah. we're, we're looking at doing it around 3.30 or 4. So. Okay. Sorry, this, is, this has become... This is not... <laughs> sorry, this is just us calendar, like social calendar. <laughs> oh my god, in case you wanted to know what we're doing tonight. Um, yeah. But no, uh, I don't think there's anything really to tease besides that. Uh, we've already talked about what we're going to be watching, what we're going to be doing. Um, I'm going to be having chicken nuggets for dinner tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we're going to be watching a, a movie about uh, the post office. So presumably we will talk about the... Corporations. Um, well, I, I was going to say maybe we'll go on a tangent about just, you know, existential dread. Mm. <laughs> like, I can't, still can't believe we talked that long kindergarten cop. Anyway. Yeah, I know. We'll just go some really random fucking direction. Yeah. All right, this is going to be the end of episode 35 of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and hopefully you'll tune in again next week. Have a wonderful week.